I'm Robin. And I'm Molly. And this is Home is Where the Murder Is. Well, hey Robin. Hey Molly, how are you? Funny to find you in this blanket fort. I love our blanket fort. Yeah. Yeah. We're finally getting our equipment again figured out. I tell you, I feel like every time we do this, we have a new way of doing things. Yep. New, just always moving on up. Always getting better. Yep. How was your week? Well, it's going okay. Yeah. Yep. The sun is shining today, which helps, but I think we're getting um, another Thursday storm coming up, so that'll be fun. That's stupid. I think it's like going to be most, mostly rain, maybe some like mixed stuff, but okay. uh, I, I'm about done with this because Seriously. I, I'm getting a little stir-crazy in the house. Um, the children are being extra children-y. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They've been so extra lately, <laughs> but uh, hopefully once it gets nice out and we're outside more things will change because yeah. i need them to for my sanity yeah how's your week oh it's fine just selling houses mm-hmm. trying to get my life in order selling yeah. houses why what do you do oh i am a realtor oh me too look at that cool. what company do you work for um badger oh yeah like the driftless properties badger realty that's exactly it oh my goodness so yeah yeah that's our there's our plug. And scene. <laughs> you didn't, I'm sure you couldn't tell, but that was, we all, we know, we know that we work together. Yeah. That was pretty believable though, I'm sure. Yeah. No, yep. we, yeah. So yeah, I've been selling all the houses. It's, yeah, uh, you had a closing yesterday, right? Yep. And it's, and I got one tomorrow too, which is nice, but it, it let me tell you, it's, it's picking up out there in the sense of, let's see, I think it's down uh, in the Metro Milwaukee area. The listings are down 14%, I believe. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, so, but we have buyers coming out of our ears. So if you need to sell your house or if you're even thinking about it, do it because you're going to make bank. People are desperate. So please do that. And that's, there it is. That's your little yep. plug. Well, I'm not going to waste any more time because I think this might turn into a little bit of a long one. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people know this one. I'm just going to come out and say it. It's very sad, and it does involve children. So trigger warning. Yeah. If that's not something that you like, I mean, no one likes no. to hear about but children. I but I normally don't listen to episodes on children or even, like, for example, like the Chris Watts. I don't know anything about it. As soon as I heard what he did, I didn't want to know anything about it. And people always ask me, are you going to do that one? Are you going to do that one? I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't even want to know. Maybe no. someday I'll get the balls to do it, but it makes me mad. So this one falls right into that category and I'm mad at myself for doing it but I also am like there has been some good that's come out of it and I thought that was important to talk about so, so how did you find this case like what what made you it was an accident this? I was actually going to do you it, fell different into it I did yeah I was researching Oops. another one and I don't know what I typed in but something brought me to this case and I was like halfway through reading it and all of a sudden I was like oh crap and I'm like well I'm too far in now so I just yeah I just switched gears so the other one I have will just have to be done in another time because this one just took precedence. And I went down a rabbit hole, and this is all I did all day. Yeah. So, yeah. So let's uh, get to it. Let's do it. Okay. So this is the murder of the Schaffhausen, and I say this wrong every time, Schaffhausen, Schaffhausen sisters. So I've heard it Schaffhausen and Schaffhausen. Since I'm American, I'm saying Schaffhausen. Schaffhausen. If that's wrong, sorry, but that's what we're calling it. Okay. 
So Jessica and Aaron met in college at Mankato State University in Minnesota. Aaron was originally from Coon Rapids, Minnesota, and Jessica was from Chatham, Illinois. They were married on May 27, 2000, and went on to have three daughters. Amara was born in October 2000, and she was known as a tomboy. She loved skateboarding and soccer, as well as baking pies. She was very smart and would come up with experiments and then take notes on her findings. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't that sweet? I love yeah. that. She also dabbled with inventing and had created a way to turn her light on from her bed so she could read. She sounds like a smart she sounds little like kid. Best. Yeah. yeah. Sophie was born in 2003, and she was described as also a tomboy who loved to climb trees with her sisters. She took martial arts and participated in Girl Scouts. She was a very... Middle child. I know, right? Yeah. That's exactly what I said when I saw that. <laughs> she was very ta- a very talented artist, and her work was displayed in many school exhibits. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sweet? Yeah. Cecilia, also known as Sia, was born in 2007. She was known to be very curious and outspoken. She was described as always making sure that, she, that her thoughts were known. She liked to find insects, and she was smitten with babies. Sounds like a third child right there. Yep. Like to make sure that she was known. Oh, yeah. Love it. From the outside, they looked like a very happy family. Purchasing a four-bedroom home in River Falls, Wisconsin in 2006, the family seemed to settle in nicely. However, behind closed doors, the marriage was beginning to strain. Aaron had been taking college courses while Jessica went to work every day, providing for the family. This, however, turned out to be a lie when it was found out that Aaron had stopped going to school and instead was staying home all day playing World of Warcraft. Oh, no. Oh, oh no. no. Not another one of these yep. where they, like, quit school or quit work and yep. then they just, like, do their video gaming. This and... was big that time. this time of year. Did he lie about it, too? Oh, yeah. He lied oh, about no. it. Yep. Like, can I just say, too, like, we know. The women know. Like, we yeah. know when you're lying. <laughs> You're only going to get away with it for so long. Like, we can tell. So yeah. don't do so it. So don't do it. Just don't do it. And you're just stupid. Don't do that. Just yep. do your thing. Do what you're supposed to do. Yep. That's exactly it. Yeah. So he also was not helping around the house and not helping with the bills, and he wasn't helping with the children. He was constantly drinking and had become very absent from Jessica and the girls. Aaron did try therapy and was put on antidepressants, which helped, but not enough to save the marriage. In August of 2011, Jessica filed for divorce, and it was finalized in January 2012. They agreed to joint custody, with Jessica having primary placement in the home. Aaron moved to Minot, North Dakota, after the divorce, where he rented an apartment. Wow, he moved quite a ways away. Yeah. So, um, Aaron would have the girls on holidays and most of the summer break. Now, this happened in January 2012, and what I'm about to to discuss happens that summer so he didn't have a lot of time there to get used to his new schedule this all happens really fast but the plan was he would have the girls on the holidays and most of the summer break um, he was required to pay about 1300 a month in child support and he assumed the family's debt of $196,000 which included the mortgage of their home so she got to keep living there but he paid for it Essentially, but I'll get into something. Uh, um, he worked in construction and made about $4,666 a month. And then nice. Jessica agreed to pay him rent to stay in the home. So she was actually renting the house oh, okay. from him. And she was paying him. But legally, it was just how. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. So okay. They had, I mean, I, that goes to show you, yeah, I think that she was <clears throat> doing her part. Um, you know, she wanted to stay in the home, so she's paying for it. So Yeah. Um, Aaron would often complain to his friends about the divorce and had become obsessed with Jessica. 
calling her constantly at work and at home, as well as taking his anger out on his daughters. He would call Jessica to harass her, and when the girls would ask to speak with him, he would refuse to talk to them. Things turned even worse when Aaron found out that Jessica was dating a new man by the name of Josh Flanders. So she started dating pretty quickly. Well, not not really. really. They were having problems. They were having problems, and then they filed for divorce, and then it wasn't finalized till the next year. Okay. So that's when all this began. Mm Mm-hmm. Aaron immediately started harassing both Jessica and Josh and even went as far as to threaten Josh's mother. He called her and said, if you don't want to see your son's life shortened, he needs to stop fucking my wife. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I can't control that. Yeah, right? It, like, and it's not your ground him? Yeah, it's not your wife. You guys got a divorce. Move yeah. on. He also would tell friends that he fantasized about killing Josh, cutting his head off, and putting it on a stick on the front lawn. Mm, I have different fantasies than that. Seriously, what a psycho. Yeah, that's not good. In March of 2012, Jessica filed a report in regards to Aaron's harassment because he had called her up, told her he was going to come to River Falls, tie her up, and kill the girls while she watched. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. He said he wanted her to hurt as much as he was hurting. Police in both Wisconsin and North Dakota checked up with Aaron and spoke with him about the situation and eventually deemed that he was not a threat and had no intention of coming back to Wisconsin. So that was in March. Okay. Okay. However, a cousin would later tell police that she received a call from Aaron where he stated that he wanted to slit his daughter's throats. He thought the antidepressants were making him have these thoughts, so he stopped taking them. He also mentioned that at one point he had driven halfway to River Falls to kill them before turning around. His cousin told him to stop drinking and to get some help. Yeah. 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 Okay. By summer of 2012, the threats from Aaron had ended. He had stopped drinking and stopped taking the antidepressants. He had told Jessica that he was feeling much better. And I understood this part of it because, so when I split from my ex, who is the father of my son, initially it was really bad. I mean, we were screaming at each other. Nothing the other did was good enough it was just a it was a mess in the beginning mm-hmm. and he immediately started dating after we split and it hurt even though i didn't want to be together yeah. with him anymore it still hurt well someone that you've you've put all this time and energy into and it, it it's hard to yeah. see them with someone else i, I mean i get that yeah like, it's it's, just... it's the hurt can be a what the hurt is what does it it makes you not think rationally i mean i wish i could go back in time and take back some of the mean things i said and because a lot of the hurt is just you're hurting and you're holding on to something and then it just hurts yourself. So unlike him, I just found different ways to cope with it. I used my family, my friends, talked to everybody and eventually it got easier and then I was able to work things out with my ex and now I consider him one of my friends. So um, I get where he was having a hard time with this um, and why he came off as crazy, but it's all about giving it time. And I just don't think he actually originally gave it enough time. But as yeah. you'll see here, come summer, he was feeling better. So I get where that Jessica would have saw it as, okay, good. I'm glad to see that you're finally understanding. Because right. it can happen. Yeah. So um, uh, so that brings us up. So summer 2012, he is feeling better. They're having a better relationship. They're able to hold a conversation. She's still not on board um, 100% with him. They still do fight every now and then, but she does see improvement with him. 
So on July 10th, 2012, Jessica went to work and the girls stayed home with their babysitter. That afternoon, Aaron texts Jessica, stating that he was in St. Paul and was wondering if he could see the girls. Jessica's first thought was, shouldn't he be at work? But good old Aaron had lost his job due to not showing up for his scheduled shifts. Oh, no. Jessica did not know this at the time. Yeah. Even though there was something not right about it, Jessica agreed to let him go see the girls because they hadn't seen him in two months, and she didn't want to keep them away from their father. Right. Um. So she said he could go to the house, but she wanted him gone by the time she got home from work. Even though the threats had stopped, she and Aaron were still not getting along as well as she would have liked, and she didn't want any issues with him. Well, they prob- she probably didn't want to fight in front of the girls yep. and like, have it be a whole thing. Yeah. Um, he assured her that he was moving on with his life and was even on dating websites. Even though the relationship was getting better, it wasn't where it needed to be for her, and she asked him just to make sure that he left right before she came home. Um, Jessica knew how much the girls loved their dad and she didn't want to keep them away from one another and thought she was doing the right thing. Um, and so she gave him the green light to go over there and spend time with them. When Aaron showed up at the house, the girls were beyond excited to see him. They immediately grabbed his hand and led him upstairs so they could show him some of their toys. The babysitter texted Jessica and asked if she needed to stay and Jessica told her she could go home. So the babysitter said goodbye and it would be the last time she ever saw the girls alive. I don't know if you can hear my stomach. I can. That is, I don't know if it wants more breakfast or yeah. what, but wow. So my, or my stomach's getting all heated. Like, what? He yeah, did what? Getting, yeah. 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 So this is where it gets really rough. Um, and then it does not get any better until the end. So just if this, it gets to be a little much, either skip ahead. Actually, I wouldn't even skip ahead. Just don't finish it then because. Just we'll see you next Because it, it, it gets, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Two hours after Aaron had gotten to the house, Jessica received a phone call from Aaron. He coldly stated to her, you can come home because I've killed the kids. Jessica immediately left work in a panic and began racing to her home, which was about 40 minutes away. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Um, en route, she called 9-11. Oh, my God. Well, it is. 9-1-1 and stayed on the phone with the dispatcher the entire time. During this call, Jessica is distraught and very difficult to understand. She's heard saying, I am so stupid, over and over again. When the dispatcher can finally make out what she is saying, she sends a squad to the house to do a welfare check. Officers arrive at the home before Jessica around 3.30 p.m. Just take a second. Can you even imagine? Can you imagine getting that phone call? Like, just as a mom, that is awful what that woman must have been feeling oh like the instant regret the in pain i just yeah. i can't even i like i this is why it was so hard for me to re- do this story because i just kept putting myself in her shoes yeah. and it broke my heart right and she's so far away it's not so like far she can away. just like run yeah. home quick to go see right. or like like she has to sit and think and wonder uh-huh. this entire time exactly oh and there's also that whole like what if he's just playing a cruel joke because she does mm-hmm. say that at one point, she was thinking maybe it was just a cruel joke, but a part of her was like, but also, I don't believe it is. So, yeah. As soon as the officers opened the door, they are hit with a very strong odor of gasoline. They called out to anyone who was in the home, but there was no response. Officers began to walk through the home and found that the gas fireplace was on, which was odd for it being July. When they turned it off, they were able to pinpoint that the gas smell was coming from the basement. 
So one thing to keep in mind is when you turn on your gas fireplace for the first time for after a while, you can smell the gas right away. So that's what they thought originally it was. Yeah. That's why they were like, oh, we were able to pinpoint it because once we turned it off, the gas smell didn't go away. Um, uh, when they got down, the, down to the basement, they found that gasoline had been poured on the floor. So it looked like someone was trying to start the house on fire. Yeah. Officers continued searching the home and eventually make their way upstairs. There, the officers find the girls. Oh, my God. This stomach is just. The jeans. It's pushing on you. Gosh. Okay. I hope that, I hope they can't hear it. Um, so, upstairs, the officers find the Schaffhausen sisters. Each girl was tucked in their bed with the blankets pulled up to their necks. Their eyes were wide open looking at the ceiling. Their throats had been slashed and there was dry blood all around them. In Cecilia's room, she's the youngest, there was blood splatter everywhere and it was concluded that he killed all three girls in this room. Mm. Cecilia had also been strangled and there were signs of defensive wounds. Oh. Yeah. It's just so sad. These girls were so excited to see their dad. I know. And then. And then he did this. Like, it's just sick. You just have to think, like, their last moments, too. Like, it was just. Just seeing their dad. The person they loved. Yeah. Yeah. Just awful. One hour after the discovery, Aaron turned himself into the River Falls Police Department. He was wearing bloodstained clothes, but refused to speak to investigators. He was arrested on the suspicion of homicide, and after sitting in jail for about two hours, he finally agreed to speak. I do have an audio clip of the beginning of his interrogation, if you'd like to hear it. Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't, but yeah, let's hear it. Well, okay, and I'll tell you, you hear most more of the investigator. You don't hear a lot from him because Aaron can't get his shit together. Okay? Okay. Okay. You are. You came in for a reason. You presented yourself to the officer. They told him, let's go. I was not there when you did that. But if you did that, there was a reason. And I'm just trying to find out why. And your daughters are deceased. They're gone. And I'm sorry. What was happening inside you when this happened here? Why are those babies dead? I'll tell you why I know you love them. Because you put them in the bed together and you cover them up. You put them in the bed together and you cover them up there. Because you wanted them to have peace. You wanted them to have peace. You wanted them to have peace. They're together now. Okay, so that I also love that Matt's like I'm texting, banging him around, banging, banging him. Oh God, banging around upstairs. So that is uh, the initial interview with the detective, um, and you'll see, or you, as you heard, um, that was um, River Falls investigator Charles Golden. You also hear Aaron crying like a little bitch. You know, um, I give this investigator mad credit too for being so calm the way he was. He was very calm. He very, I mean, he did what his job was. I yeah, mean, he he did a great job because that I couldn't have done that. Um, he after what Aaron had done, and then this investigator seeing it is just yeah, it's a lot. So I'm going to sorry, I have to like queue up this next one and. I'm a little distracted right now. Okay. 
So I do have another. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to uh, for to Morbidology. They did a podcast on this, very detailed. Um, I I listened to that. Um, I think there was there was a couple like missing information that I found otherwise in other articles, um, and they used her name incorrectly a couple times. But um, great um, great episode on it. So I actually got the um, clips of the investigations from there. So thank you to Morbidology for those because they're really good. Um, so I'm going to play the next clip that we have of the interrogation. So which he replied, I don't know. I saw them. What? That's not it. Van Arid. Ah! Just kidding. I don't know why that's on there. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I did. I want my girls back. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know why I don't have it queued up properly. But so what happens is, is Aaron sits in the the interrogation room and he says to the investigators, he doesn't know what happens. He just wants his daughters back. He um, doesn't know what who did this to them. But yet he's covered in their blood. Yeah. I mean, he had showered and changed clothes, but he still had blood on him, which tells you that he went back into the crime scene before he left the house. So they knew he they, it wasn't a matter of if he did it or not. They were trying to find out why. Right. They knew. I mean, it was him. Yeah. 100%. So knowing that there was no threat to the community, the River Falls Police Department made a statement to the community about what had happened. And Chief Roger Leak stated that it was the worst crime he had ever seen in his 34 years with the police department. I believe that. Right. He praised the paramedics and officers for their professionalism during the case and said that even with all the training they received, nothing prepares you for something this horrific. Absolutely which is not. so true. Right. The city and Greenwood Elementary School all pulled together to be a resource to one another. So Greenwood Elementary is where the girls were going to school. Um, the principal put together a memorial out front of the school and a memorial wall was made outside the main office. Many of the girls' friends wrote on that wall, including Amara's friend Allison, who wrote, I will miss you very much. Aww. Her sister, her little sister Olivia wrote, I am sorry. Aww. Like, ugh. And then they were mentioning this cute little boy named Blake who um, he ended up becoming very afraid and clingy because he didn't want that to happen to him. Yeah. So it makes you realize what this has done to the community that even young kids are like, wait, if their dad did this. Right. And then I also had read that there was, like, an increase in um, domestic violence cases being reported because now other people that were having problems in their relationships were worried that this could happen to them, too. Wow. And started yeah. reporting things, yep. which is good that they report things that they're having in their relationship, but also really shows how people started to view one another again. So for a while there, the, I mean, obviously the community came together, which is really great, but there's also that holy crap. Right. Like, this could have been me at any time, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's human nature to think about that kind of thing. Right. You, you kind of start thinking of the worst case scenario for yourself when bad things happen as well. Right. So, I don't know how many people know the town of River Falls, but River Falls is very close to the Minnesota border. Very up north town, very small. Um, but what's really great about this is that they all come together to support Jessica and her family. Um, and I, I got to say, it's very impressive. So, they all rallied together and began fundraisers to help her with the funeral costs, which I can't even imagine that Jessica had even thought that 
far ahead, like, right at all. Like, who wants to deal with that? Like, who wants to even think about it? But so they took it upon themselves to help her in any way possible. The kids even used their piggy bank money. Um, businesses used their profits, and families used any money they had to contribute. By the end of the day, the local bank had received thirty thousand dollars from the town. That's pretty good. Very good. Um, Jessica um, thought she was so. Jessica had a very hard time, obviously, with what she was dealing with. Um, she kept replaying the fact that she thought she was doing the right thing by letting them see their father. And now she had to live with the fact that that decision took her daughters away, which is just the worst thing you could possibly imagine. Like, yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. That one decision. Like, And I don't know. I doubt she'd ever listen to this, but I hope she knows now. And I think based off of what I read, that there's nothing that she could have done. You know, you how are you supposed to know? I think she did the right thing still. It. I mean, and, I think it's what most people would have done. Yeah. You know, things were seeming to go well. He was close by. Yep. Did, did he ever say why he was in the area? I mean, we know why he was in the area. He was going to do this. But, like, did he ever tell, like, oh, I'm in the area for, you know, I work. don't have that information. Yeah. I'm just curious. Um, you know what I mean? Like, why would he have been there? But, yeah. you know. Yeah. I don't I don't know that one, unfortunately. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to queue, queue up my next one. And it's not working. Okay, great. Great, this is fun. Okay. All right, so where was I? I lost my page. Anyway, so the, yeah. So the day after the murders, a vigil was held, and over 300 people attended. Amara's soccer team attended, and they all wore the number 36 on their cheek, which was her soccer number. Aww. Right. They also wrote messages on a soccer ball to give to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is just... The day after the vigil, Aaron was formally charged with three counts of first-degree intentional homicide. His bail was set at $2 million. He also was ordered to have no contact with Jessica or her immediate family. In, yeah. Yeah, obviously, right? In January of 2013, Aaron entered a plea of not guilty due to mental disability and distress. He would then be evaluated by the prosecution and defense team's mental health professionals. So during the trial... The prosecution claimed that Aaron killed the girls to get back at Jessica for the divorce. However, during his testimony, Aaron claimed that he loved his daughters and he never did anything for revenge. The thing, the thing furthest from his mind was doing anything to harm Jessica because he still loved her. So then what, what was it for then? Right. The judge accepted his insanity plea and ordered the trial to begin on April 20, uh, 2013. It was at this time that the focus was made clear that it wasn't if he had done it, but if he was in the, his right mind when the crime was committed. It would come down to a jury deciding if he was legally sane at the time of the murder. Then, prior to the trial beginning, Aaron changed his plea again to guilty, but insane. So, he's really playing the system right now, um, and all of this is happening after he's talking to medical professionals. So, he's bouncing back and forth between what... he. Like And his big thing was that he didn't know right from wrong. And that mm -hmm. annoys me. Because it's like, really? He's our age at this time. So he's he was 34 at the time of the, the murders. And you're telling me you don't know right from wrong because you're depressed? I, I feel like, yeah, check, check. If you're not sure, check with someone. Like, do you think it's wrong if I go kill my daughters? Yeah, just maybe run that by someone, which uh, which he does. And how many people told him he was nuts? Right. Yeah, like, you know it's you know it's wrong. Right. 
All right. So on March 31st, 2013, the courtroom filled with the loved ones of the three little girls. In attendance, of course, was their mother, Jessica, who for the first time heard her ex-husband admit his guilt in taking the lives of her daughters. That had to be hard to be yeah. there. Yeah. She was sobbing. So obviously. Aaron went on to explain to the judge that he believes he has a mental illness and that he would like to be placed in a mental institution so he could be evaluated and, like everyone else, find out why this happened to his three girls. Well, you're the reason it happened, and I understand mental health is a real thing, and obviously, like, he obviously needed a lot of help. Like, he should not have ever even been able to be living how he was living if if it, it was that bad. Yes. Yeah. But um, you'll see that people are, don't agree with that. So, um, but can you imagine being sitting in that courtroom and hearing your ex-husband who just killed your children say, I want to find out what happened to my three girls. Right. That's the part. Like, well. I don't know how she did That's didn't. the thing. It's like, we know what happened to them. Yeah. We're trying to figure out why, where, why, yeah. why, why did it happen yeah. though? Um, so the defense defense attorney begins his opening arguments, and here is what he had to say. Um, just note that, again, this is going to be tough. He does describe the case. Okay. A crime and a tragedy lost their lives before their lives basically got started. So uh, a very tragic act. I have to prove to you to a reasonable certainty by the greater weight of the credible evidence that he had the mental illness and he lacked substantial uh, ability to conform his conduct to requirements of law. And when he's with Cecilia, something happens. Doesn't recall what happens. Doesn't know why it happened. All he recalls is he's choking the little one, Cecilia. Next thing he recalls, there's a lot of blood Girls' throats are cut. He's having, he, he describes it as if it's in a kind of a dream. So he sees things happening. He sees himself pouring gas. In his mind, he's thinking of suicide. Okay, sorry. Um, yes, so that was his account of what happened. He doesn't remember. He just came to, and that's where the scene was set. Okay? It's like he was outside his body, kind of sure. looking in, kind of a yeah. thing, is so what he was then, trying to describe. The prosecution's like, yeah, no, no. He thought about it in advance. He thought about murdering his daughters for months before he finally did it. He talked with family and co-workers about what he was going to do. He fantasized about it for months. The evidence will show that he is not legally insane. He's just mean to a degree that's almost inconceivable for the rest of us. Okay. So the prosecution states that based off of the testimony from all the people that he had talked to leading up to the murders, all said that he had this exact scenario played out. Yeah. That is the thing because if you're thinking about doing it and talking about it before doing it, isn't that premeditated like exactly you you are planning this yeah and the prosecution goes on to give you know a definition of premeditated and he's going to say that it pretty much falls right in line so they continued to show proof of all the times that aaron had threatened jessica her then boyfriend and their daughters prosecutors also detailed the crime scene revealing that after he had slashed the girl's throats 
He tied shirts around their necks to prevent the blood from pouring out onto his clothing. He then carried them to their beds, showered, changed, and tried to blow up the house. So he did that by just pouring gasoline in the basement and turning on the fireplace. Yeah, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Jessica eventually took the stand to testify against her ex-husband. And upon being shown a picture of her daughters, she broke down. Well, yeah. I can't even imagine. Like, like why even show the... I mean... Well, uh, I think they... they I, I don't know. I don't know who... Sh- I don't know if the defense... I don't think the defense yeah. would have done that. I'm sure the prosecution said, hey, just so you know, we're going to put up a, girl, a picture of your girls or whatever. Right. But it's it's a part of setting the scene, like... Oh, yeah. You know, But I mean, I mean, can you just, like, ugh. I know. It's awful. The whole thing's just terrible. So she explained to the courts how their marriage fell apart after she found out about his lies, and all, she also detailed the threats that he had made against her. She stated that she never thought he would ever actually hurt his daughters or she never would have let him near them. Obviously. Yeah. She did worry about them being in his care, but only minor things like maybe he'd forget to feed them or put them to bed on time. She never felt they were in any danger with her father. She told the courts that she felt Aaron manipulated her so she would let him near the girls. This was all a part of the plan to gain her trust. So prosecutors and Jessica agree that the whole him getting better thing and not being jealous anymore was just an act. Right. So, which makes sense yep so um additional testimony came from neighbors co-workers and friends who stated that aaron was drinking heavily and would have outbursts of rage over the divorce mentioning often that he wanted to kill his family one co-worker even stated that aaron offered him money to kill jessica now this gets interesting so one co-worker named joe rowling was scheduled to testify but instead he went off the deep end as well oh no Joe approached a courtroom officer and told him he needed to talk with Aaron's attorney outside. The officer noticed that Joe had two knives on him, and it was later found that he had another in his truck. Joe felt that he needed to kill the prosecutors and anyone who was testifying against Aaron. He was then charged with threatening a witness. One doctor testified that Aaron had major depression, but he was not insane when he committed the murders. He said that Aaron stated that the murders were a spur-of-the-moment thing. According to Aaron, he went in the house, went upstairs um, with the girls to look at their toys, and then gave them their piggy piggy banks. He was planning on taking them to the river, and as he was helping Cecilia try and find her shoes, he just snapped, and the next thing he knew, he was strangling her. He then believed that Cecilia was dead, um, so he walked into the kitchen, and that's when he heard her crying. He grabbed a knife, and when he came back into Cecilia's room, the other girls had come to their sister's aid. He then slashed their throats and told the doctor that he was surprised by the amount of blood on them. The doctor went on to say that Aaron was aware of what he had done because he could recount the murders, as well as the actions after he killed them. Showering, trying to set the house on fire, cleaning the murder weapon and putting it back, placing the girls, and then calling Jessica. So he showed that, in fact, he knew right from wrong, but did it anyway. Right. Okay. So Aaron's parents came to the stand to testify, and they painted quite the picture of him, which I didn't see coming. Oh. His father referred to him as a rebellious and difficult teenager. At one point, Aaron had stolen a gun and brought it to school where he was soon expelled. He had served time in juvenile hall twice for burglaries, 
and that he had been battling depression since childhood. I'm just surprised that he even got to college to meet someone, to get married, to buy a nice house, if he was such a such a struggle like had issues. Like yeah. Had a- like, good for him, but, like, you know, like, get your shit together and stay that way. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Again, it was almost like it was all an act. Yeah, yeah. Like, he just did enough to get through, and then, but it wasn't something that could stick. Yeah, yeah. So another psychiatrist claimed that they felt Aaron had a personality disorder with a dependence on Jessica. So removing the girls from the picture would have removed the dependency from Jess. This doctor felt that Aaron was legally insane. So there was a dispute there. Yeah. Alas, the jury wasn't buying the tomfoolery that Aaron was dishing out. Uh, Yep. Yep. After three hours of deliberation, they came back with a verdict that he was legally sane at the time of the murders. Three hours is pretty quick, too. It is, and it's funny because they mentioned that the the is it the judge or somebody was like, I think they did a great job. Oh, no, it was the prosecution. Great job deliberating because they looked at the evidence and they were like, nope, fuck that. Well, Which, that's the thing, like, because, you know, three hours for everyone to be on the same page when you had two different doctors, like, disagreeing with each other, basically. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, so to, for people to be like, yeah, no, no way. Yeah. Right. Um, anyway. So in July, he was sentenced to three life sentences without the possibility of parole. Good. Right. At this hearing as well, the victim impact statements were murder. Wow. They were announced like that? Yep. They, yep. Were, they were heard. Jessica's Aunt Mary said the following. This is. This is good. Hold on one second. Let me just... You know, if I were just a little better at queuing this stuff up... Then it would be a little better. Here we go. Child is afraid of the dark. The oh. Booth's family to the rest of our family. Sorry. I love her. The sentencing phase will be held in July. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> impact statements were read aloud. I don't know. Mary. Here. Jessica's Mary. Aunt, said that Aaron did not deserve his daughter. Morbidology. You're great. Every child okay. is afraid of the dark. The boogeyman or the monster under the bed at some point in their lives. As parents, we protect them, love them, show them that the dark is not bad. The boogeyman does not exist, and there are no monsters under the bed. Amara, Sophie, and Sia learned there is a boogeyman, and the monster under the bed hides in even more sinister places. Aaron became the darkness, the boogeyman, and the monster under the bed. He was so evil that he took their unconditional love for him and used their love to lure them close enough so he could kill them. Aaron did this with the promise of love to only take their lives in such a manner that their last memories are the realization that their dad never loved them or cared for them. It was just a false illusion to cover up his evil darkness. I want Aaron to know They stopped loving him the moment that he harmed them in front of each other and then killed them. I don't think he was prepared for the fight the girls would give him or how he could no longer control everything. Their last memory is what an evil killer their dad was. Aaron should rot in hell of this world and eternity with his hatred, evilness, and cowardly ways. Let the darkness of his actions haunt him forever. Aaron is not mentally ill. 
just an extremely evil coward. Okay. So one thing after that, obviously that was yeah, that was good, right? Yep. Um, so I loved that statement, and then as I continue to listen to that podcast from Morbidology, which y- y'all should listen to because it's very detailed. But again, there's some missing pieces, but it's fine. It's so good. Um, they the, they also share um, a snippet of Aunt of his Aunt Patty, who I originally was going to share it, and then I was like, you know what? I'm not giving that woman another round of her being hurt because what she says is awful she she goes on to say that obviously aaron screwed up yes aaron screwed up he killed these girls that we loved yes but he has a mental illness you can't call him a coward he's not a coward he's mentally ill lady shut the fuck up like i was pissed when i heard that how dare her defend him in front of Jessica and her right. family, like if you got something well, to say, you keep that to yourself. Her family, exactly. Too. Like you're you're good with this, like yeah. like. And she's like goes on. And she's like, obviously, we know what he did was terrible, but he needs the help so that he can understand what he did. Fuck you. Well, and fine, he gets help, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he did yeah. what he did. Yeah, and he doesn't like, deserve. I just think it's so shitty. That this was supposed to be a time for victim impact statements, and that woman got up in that courtroom and said what she said. Yeah. Like, I would have been fucking livid. So then his parents go on to say that everyone is to blame for the way Aaron turned out. Because he didn't get the help that he needed originally. And the thing is, I get that. I I do agree with, with a sense of that. But the, also, he was a grown-ass man. He had gotten that far in life. If he was really struggling and things were getting out of hand, he could have stopped drinking. He could have continued trying to get to help to get help. I'm sorry, but you're he's a grown ass man. Well, the thing is, is he also recognized that he had issues. Yep. It's not like he didn't he didn't admit yep. to it. He knew that he had problems. Right. Like he was on medication. He had said that he I stopped drinking because he knew that he had a problem. Right. So. He he was self aware of this stuff. Yep. It's not like he was like turning a blind eye to it all. He knew this about himself. Yep. Yeah. So, so he could have tried harder for yeah. the help that he yeah. needed. Yeah. So again, I don't think the parents should have had a right to speak at this victim impact hearing either because they're not victims in this. Obviously, you know, like I, I'm sure that them losing their grandchildren was just absolutely awful. But then you don't like. You don't stand there and say, oh, we're all to blame. No, your son's the one to blame. Your son did this. Your son could have never gone there. He went out of his way. He planned the whole thing. He staged it. No, he's a monster. And and for anyone to stand in front of that courtroom, in front of that mother, and defend him in any way, shape, or form is fucked up. Yeah. Anybody that did that has some big balls. Well, I mean, and sure, feel that way but yeah to say to it say out it. loud yeah it's it's it, that i thought those two statements were absolutely shitty which is why i'm not going to play them because i don't think they have a right to have a say anyway um so obviously jessica could not make a statement because i mean that's awful and i don't even know what i would say after hearing those statements in front of me but um so aaron now spends his days at the wapan correctional institute in wapan wisconsin where i can only hope he is getting a wapan daily <laughs> which someone that knows um so actually one of my clients um, her husband 
is associated with the the prison and apparently that is exactly what happens apparently um allegedly she knows of things oh yeah so good i'm sure it's not daily but i'm sure that he sh- i from what i under- i've heard the other inmates don't like him they don't care for him so he's in the Dodge Correctional Institute in Waupun. Yeah. Ah. That's where Chandler um, Halderson is at, too. Oh. I wonder if they're buddies just talking about how shitty they are together. Killing their families? Yeah. Be like, oh, you killed your mom and dad. I killed my daughters. So yeah. we're kind of the same. We're yeah. both the worst humans in the world. Yeah. Do you, this is, are you getting your ass kicked today or am I? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what happened to the house? So this is very interesting. Okay. So after the murders, Jessica immediately moved out of the house and began staying with family. Naturally. Yeah. Aaron began proceedings to sell his home from jail. So I, as soon as I heard this, so what I'm told here is that Jessica somehow put it a, a stop to the sale. Now I looked back being a realtor, we're able to pull this off. I'm able to look back on the tax records. So... At one point, the house was in both of their names, and then it looked like she, during the divorce, must have given him the house, right? That's why she was renting it from him? Yeah. So she technically, her name is not on the deed or the title. So I was like, how would Jessica have put a stop to this? So I called a real estate attorney that I work with, and I said, hey, here's the situation. I said, if a guy was in prison for murdering someone in a home that he owned, could he sell that home from prison? And he's like, well, okay, first off, who's calling you? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's just hypothetical. Yeah. So um, he said that, yes, he could still sell the home, assuming, assuming that there's nothing legal attached to it. So um, courts, things like that. It's kind of like, you know, how some, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? Um... <laughs> when, oh, my God. Try again. Try again. Okay, so um, verdict. Verdict. So when the verdict comes through, there's the, stipulations. The answer, right? To so there's the like big sti- question. Yeah. So there's uh, stipulations that decide to it. So um, I'm guessing because technically, in the state of Wisconsin, I, if he were to call me to sell his house, I could have sold it. I don't need her signature. Nothing. So I don't know how mm. that was stopped. I don't know if the local realtors all were like, absolutely not. I'm not helping you. That kind of thing. I don't know if the attorneys got involved. I'm guessing maybe they did because obviously this got stopped in a legal manner. But it wasn't long after that um, that Affinity Plus Credit Union, so that is a Minnesota-based credit union. I actually have my house loan through them. Oh, wow. Yep. So and we have my, my we have all our car loans and stuff, uh, my, my family through them. Um, great credit union if anyone's looking to use one. Um Affinity Plus Credit Union was actually really close to foreclosing on the house at the time of the murder. Huh. Isn't that interesting? Because Jessica was paying rent to live there. So, but he wasn't paying the payments. That's right. So yeah. he had not been making the payments to the bank. Because so he they... wasn't working, so he needed that money. Exactly. So he was um, he was not making the payments. Therefore, the property was already on its way into foreclosure. So at in 2012... Um, Did Jessica... Didn't know she this. didn't know this until after all this yeah. happened. So, so Affinity Plus Credit Union uh, ended up foreclosing on the home, so he didn't get any money from the sale. Um, during the investigate, um, sorry, oh yeah. So during the investigation, it was found that his mortgage was only eight hundred dollars a month, 
and he owed $172,000 on the property left. So can you imagine a mortgage on a four-bedroom house? I was just going to say 800 yeah. a month only. How nice, right? Jeez. So, yeah, the house itself was absolutely gorgeous. It was a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath, story, two-story home with a three-car attached garage. It did have an unfinished walkout basement and a spacious yard and an awesome neighborhood. I will post pictures on our uh, Facebook page. Um, in August of 2013, a sheriff's sale occurred and only five people showed up. Absolutely no one bid on the property. Huh. Yeah. After that, Affinity Plus Credit Union decided to dismantle the property, donating the pieces to Habitat for Humanity and raising the remainder of the property. So what's kind of nice about this is something to keep in mind. This house was new. Er. So it was not even, I think it was like six or, no, it was eight years old, I think, or something like that. So everything in about it was essentially new but no one wanted to live in this house for obvious reasons yeah so affinity plus donated pieces of the property that they could salvage and then raised the rest of the property they also made the decision that they would sell the land and donate all of the proceeds to the girls memorial oh wow that's nice isn't that great so jessica went on to do amazing things to help keep the memory of her children alive she wrote a book titled thistles and thorns which talks about her girls and how she is coping with her with their loss i have not read the book yet um, I don't know if I even will because she does say, you know, that you, she takes you through her grief and I don't know if I really want to go on that journey. Yeah. I, I love for her. Yeah. I'm sure it was very therapeutic yep. for her to do that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, great. And I think it's great that she was doing something to keep the memory of the children alive and everything. I just don't think I'm strong enough to, to do that. And, um, but she does say a couple things from the book. She does mention that the whole town is the reason that she was able to get through, this hard time she said that um the one day after a while she was able to she went to the grocery store and she for the first time ever she was able to make it through the entire grocery store without crying and the cashier goes you did it so like other and when she did break down people came to her aid like she was just never she never felt alone well i'm sure that because everyone in the neighborhood knew obviously so it's like yep everywhere she went people oh yeah were lo- watching her yeah i'm sure you know the looks that she, you know oh yeah. not that it was bad that they cared but no like, but it gets to be a lot and overwhelming i'm yeah. sure yeah absolutely so yeah so the book is called thistles and thorns um if you've if you got a better stomach than me then go see it go see it <laughs> just look at it just look at it <laughs> just so go read it um the community also helped her raise around $500,000 for a new playground in honor of her daughters. So that oh, that's um, cool. Affinity Plus donated the money to that. So there's a playground in their honor, um, which is very interesting because that $500,000 is exactly what the house would be worth today oh. if none of this would have happened. Right, if it was still as it was. Yeah, so yeah, so that kind of stuck out to me when that happened because I ran comps on it. I was like, oh, wow. So... And it was one of those things, too, where I, and this is far-fetched, but I was, like, thinking to myself, I'm like, this whole thing, this whole tragedy is all just because of one guy being a pile of shit. Like, if you would think about this, when they bought that house, the, what they were paying for it, if he could have just been a normal human being and gone to school, gone to work, took care of his family, they still would have had that beautiful house, they'd be sitting great financially, uh, you know, just assuming big picture. Like, he threw everything away. He killed his family. He threw everything away. Yeah. All because what? He wanted to play World of Warcraft all day long? Well, he just, yeah, he, yeah. It, it, it's just too bad. Yeah. It just makes me so sad that this this guy had it all. 
he had it all. And he, most of them do. Like yeah. the people that snap or do awful things. Yeah. It's like, I mean, and obviously there's things going on behind, you know, closed doors that we don't know about too. Yeah. Like, you know, he had mental health issues and things like that. But again, yeah. Especially, I mean, this it's not like, you know, this was back in like the 1950s when mental health was treated a lot differently. Yeah. You know, this was, you know, what, what was it like 10, 10 years yep. ago? Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, there, there was enough avenues yeah. to find help as yep. well. And so, he had support and, fr- and friends and family. And, and he, people knew that yeah. he was, you know, having issues with depression. Yep. So it's like, you know, you can use excuses, you can use... All yeah. of that, but the, at the end of the day, he what he did was still well, yeah, yeah. his choice. He did this, yeah. and he he made the effort to drive or fly or whatever to get to his daughters to do this. Yeah. It's not like he woke up in their room and this right. happened. Like, yeah. He made the effort to get yeah. there. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. He's sick. So Jessica went on to remarry. In fact, her husband... And her had their first date a couple weeks before her daughters were killed. So this man's been with her oh, wow. since day one. So man, talk about like going through something together. Yeah, and, like... right. Seriously, what? Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing. And they now have two kids together. Um, and from that what would I be hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good for her. I mean, you know, if yeah. you're in her situation, could could you do that? You know what I mean? Like you brought these three. Well, little girls into the world they were taken away and to bring more kids into the world and just be so scared what could happen to them yeah and one thing that i read about jessica is that she everyone described her as a woman that just loved being a mom that's all she ever wanted so you know also aaron knowing that about her obviously that's why he did what he did to take away the one thing that she needed in this world but she had rough pregnancies too so to have the kids um, she she would say she's like I do it over and over again just to make just to have my babies like yeah. so I get why she had more kids because she wants to be a mom she yeah. has that again nurturing, I'm happy so. that she did because yeah. then you know she yeah. she has you know that she has a little bit of another of, avenue yeah. to pour herself in and I bet you and I bet you there's just little pieces of her daughters in her oh, children yeah. and she probably and it, I think that's beautiful I think yeah that's I think it's so. really sweet I'm just saying it would I think it would be a hard thing well to do I, I to be honest with you. I'm, I couldn't do what she's done. Yeah. She's so much stronger than I would be. I always say if something, if I were to lose Logan, I would just shut, I would die. I would die. I, I don't, so I give her mad credit for turning this into something beautiful. Yeah. Because that's what her daughters would have wanted. And I think she's done a great job. And she's a fighter. And I think that's just amazing. Because I, I don't think I could do it. But, so I'm very impressed with her. Um, yeah, so, and apparently I've read that she's doing really great. Her community's been there and will continue to be there for her. So she's and, still in the same community and yep, everything. she's yep. still there, yep. And she has said that she never would have been able to make it to the other side of all this without the town of River Falls. So, River Falls, Wisconsin. Good job. Nice work. You guys Way are a great amount of people. Midwesty. Yeah. That's my story for today. Um, the sad. That's sad. Yeah. The, the girls. The girls. So, yeah. Um, if you don't like sad ones, that wasn't for you. Well, I feel like most cases are sad. This was just, uh, it was a hard It was a tar- It was a tough one. So I apologize, but I did try to just, I didn't touch on a lot of, I didn't get too in-depth. Like I said, that morbidology, you can try listening to that one. I had a rough time listening to that because her voice is, um, she's like Scottish or something. Oh, the accent. The accent can gets, be hard sometimes, yeah. It felt like I was listening to, um. A robot sometimes but i'm sure i'm not any better 
Um, but so that was a good one to listen to. Otherwise, um, people keep mentioning that there's like a Netflix on this or a Hulu. I couldn't find that. I don't know what it is. But if you ha- know about it, please um, comment and post it because I'd like to know which, what that is. Otherwise, um, I haven't heard a whole lot. Otherwise, the rest of it all just came from newspaper articles. So, oh, and um, and I think there was a oxygen done oh. at one point. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's the that's my my story for the day. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah, that was yeah. hard, but yeah, have a great day. Important to hear. Yeah. So, so. just hug your kiddos. Yeah. And uh, after you're done doing that, make sure you follow us on Facebook. And Instagram, and follow us on Spotify or where, however you're listening to this podcast. Uh-huh. Yep. And what do they say? Like it. Like subscribe. it. Subscribe. Um, rate it. Rate if it. If you're able to, share it with your friends. Five stars only if it's anything less. I will find and get you. Get out of here with that. Yeah. And uh, if you have any suggestions, you can email us at home is where the murder is. Yeah. I, I have to pick a new one to dive into. So oh, I'm... Yep. Trying to decide, I might post another poll type thing. Ooh, do that. I like that. I like it when you do that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of your week. Bye.